What up, peeps? One o'clock on the East Coast, last Thursday in the month of April, which means this is the last Thursday in April for EY from SoFi. We'll get into that in a second. You know what this is. Market call, 30 minutes, and it's going to be a quick one. It's going to be a snappy one. Guy Adami here, joined by Dan Nathan. As I mentioned, EY will be here in just a few minutes. Today's episode of Market Call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. SoFi, get your money right in one app. And of course, we're powered by Open Exchange, and you can find them on the Twitter at Open Exchange TV. Dan, I don't know what just happened over the last hour. I was like combing my hair. The market was sort of flirting with unchanged. Now we're up 500 Dow points. Please help me understand. Yeah, Guy Dami, regular viewers know that it does not take you an hour to comb your hair. Um, <laughs> what's left of it. I'll just be really clear about that. You know, it's interesting. A day ago, 24 hours ago, when you and I were doing our market call, there was a headline that hit the tape. And it legitimately hit the tape. It was retracted about 10 minutes later. It was Q2 guidance for Facebook. Someone fingered it or something. And it didn't look great, the revenue guidance, right? And we were talking about, well, if that's the guidance, then, you know what I mean? That's not going to be a great kind of setup for Facebook. They took it back. It was done erroneously. The guidance wasn't great, guy, but the stock traded down to 170. As we're talking today, right now, the stock is 204, 205 or so. We're seeing Microsoft kind of rallying and these numbers that you're looking at right now are a little low because the market is ripping, as you say. I see Microsoft up nearly 2%. I see Apple up nearly 4%. I see Alphabet up 3%, and I see Amazon up nearly 4%. So the market has caught a bid. Why are we focused on those names? Well, we had those earnings of Microsoft, Facebook, and Google. Google was the one that was disappointing, at least from a price action standpoint. And tonight, we got the big kahuna. We got Apple, we got Amazon. And my question to you is, Guy, if there were a disappointment in either one of those or both, does it change the tide of this little market we got going on? That's here? what we call a rhetorical question. There is an H in rhetorical, by the um, way, in case you're playing our spelling bee game. And for you bingo players, that clearly wasn't on it. The answer is obviously yes. Apple, to me, in my opinion, Apple is the most vulnerable to the downside, not because I'm a hater. Only because of the things that we've heard from Taiwan Semi and some of the others and some of the pull forward that probably took place in Apple over the last six to nine months. So one has to wonder what they're going to say, more importantly, what they're going to guide. So I've thought 138 for a while on Apple. We'll see it traded down. I think 155 or so it has bounced. But you look at the bounces today and then you look at where we are year to date still. So what does that mean, Dan? Well, It means, in my opinion, this is just a bit of a short covering rally, oversold bounce, whatever you want to call it. I think that's what we're in the midst of now. I'll tell you this, this morning, guy, you saw that, you know, Facebook opened up 20%. Again, wasn't a great quarter, but the stock was down 55% heading into that. You had that weirdo action midday with the pre-release, if you will. This is the chart to keep an eye on. If this stock fills in that gap, guy, lights out for the NASDAQ. That's just my two cents here. So it looked like, you know, opening up 20% at one point this morning, it was only up 11%. Thought maybe you'd see this thing close up high single digits. We saw that with Alphabet last quarter when they reported their Q4. It had a new all-time high, a high print there, and it sold off dramatically throughout the day and kept on going lower. But the other thing, guy, 
I'd love your two cents on this. Look at this chart in Facebook going back to the start of 2021 here. You see the gap from January, early February, excuse me. You see this bounce off of a 52-week low or nearly a two-year low or multi-year low here. Man, up 17% on that chart still doesn't look that impressive, does it, Guy? Not at all. And you had, listen, you saw the 50-day did cross the 200-day and it happened back in December. And the stock was able to rally, sort of sideways rally. And then you saw what subsequently happened. So that death cross, if there is such a thing, that one worked to perfection. So in terms of mining the gap, well, you mentioned we have a gap going back from late January into February. And I think at some point on the upside, that gets filled. But we could be sitting here six months from now in August or thereabouts talking about that still unfilled gap to the upside. Look, I think today is exactly that, a relief rally, a bounce off an oversold condition. I did not think those earnings warranted this move. doesn't matter what I think. Here we are. But it's going to be fascinating to see how we close. More importantly, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to a name like Facebook if Apple were to miss and guide lower. Yeah, no doubt about it. Another name that I think you and I are both keeping a close eye on, and this really is a market sort of Mm -hmm. sentiment sort of thing, is the Tesla. We know it had that really great quarter. It stock gapped up. I think it was up, I don't know, at some point, you know, eight, nine percent or something. Gave it all back here. And, you know, we drew a line. I know that I, I think Carter would be happy about this uptrend line in the Tesla up until about, I don't know, maybe January here. But what's going on right now is we're below that uptrend that it had held numerous times since the lows in 2020. It's below its 200-day moving average here. So we have a series of lower highs, right? And we have had a series of higher lows. This is just over the last month and a half or so. We know there's a lot of other things going on. Why do I care about this name? Well, Last week, it was a trillion-dollar market cap. This morning, it was an $800 billion market cap. There's a lot of other things going on as it relates to, in my opinion, as the sentiment around Elon Musk and what he's doing with Twitter and what that means broader, right, for what's going on. How important is this chart to you? And if you were to see this thing get back on the horse, get back above the 200-day, get back above that uptrend that was support, now resistance, or if we were to go back and test those Feb-March lows somewhere down near 700 Sentiment, you said it. That's what it that's why I look at Tesla and try to make you know, try to make the case for its relevancy in terms of the broader market. And you know, we were on CNBC's Fast Money the night that Tesla reported, and we collectively said this is the quarter that bulls have been waiting for. People that have been buying the stock for three to four years have been waiting for for that period of time. It was a remarkable quarter. That's great. That quarter sort of grows you in potentially to evaluation. But then I said on the show, now the bulls need to prove themselves. And I think the next day the stock got up to 1080 or so. And then it's been subsequently giving it back. Tesla traded down to 825 or thereabouts today. And you're still talking about a stock that was a $700 stock a month and a half, two months ago, subsequently rallied over 50%. And now here we are now. Those lower highs are meaningful. This pennant formation is meaningful. But if Tesla were to give it up and take another look at 700, I'm really wondering what's going to happen, not only to the broader market, what's going to happen to the Twitter deal and a number of other things. So I think it's really important just to have Tesla up for that alone, Dan Nathan. 
All right, buddy. Let's talk about tonight. This is going to be the big one. Yeah, um, the we'll NFL be... draft tonight. I am so. Oh no, oh, sorry. You... No, I know. I know you're all geeked up about it. We have Apple reporting after the close. Amazon reporting after the close. You know, it's you know more than four trillion dollars in market cap. The implied move in Apple one day move tomorrow is five percent in either direction. You can do the math on a two plus trillion dollar market cap company here. I mean, listen, these guys put up a great quarter guy back in late January. You know, and I think it was actually a big surprised then given what we knew about inflation given what we knew about supply chains given we knew about some demand in different parts of the world now none of those things are better if you think about what's going on with eastern europe they pulled out of russia we know that large parts of china are locked down we know that the access to components might be difficult we know that pc demand might be waning i mean the list goes on and on and on Mm -hmm. okay the stock hangs in there it's down about 12 percent on the year but it's up four percent today that is not a great setup unless things are just beautiful. I mean, like, right, the, the results and the guidance. So curious on your take here because you probably don't want to see it raging into the print. That being said, maybe it's telling us something. That's what's happening. I mean, people are either squaring up or they're getting ahead of what they, they think Apple earnings are going to be. And listen, we've seen some remarkable quarters out of Apple. We've also seen some pretty disappointing quarters out of Apple. And if you think about what's happened over this last quarter, I mean, What rabbit are they going to pull out of their hat in this environment to get the stock moving higher? I mean, to me, Dan, and this is just not my bias. I just think this is the way I look at it. I think it's 70-30 in terms of 70% chance to see this stock trade lower. And we'll see what happens. And I'm not just, I mentioned earlier, I'm looking at some of the other names that have reported some of their customer base. One has to wonder what Apple can do to get it to the next leg higher. So I think lower. I'll say this about Amazon if you want to take a quick look at that. Well, hold on I mean, one sec. I just want to, you know, I want to make this one point, Guy, is that, you know, if you look at expectations for this current quarter, low single digits EPS and sales growth expected for the year, expecting 8%, this is consensus, 8% earnings and sales growth. That's per fact set here. And here's the deal, man. I mean, you know, the S&P trades, what, 18 times an 8% expected EPS growth. And Apple is trading at 26 and a half times. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's the current year. So, you know, if there is a guy down for the out quarter, you know, like this stock probably breaks that uptrend. And let me just tell you, just quickly on the chart, I'd, I'd love to get your take. You know, it was below the 200-day moving average briefly yesterday. It's above it today. You see that uptrend since last year, pretty decent setup from a technical standpoint. So if the guidance is not bad, the stock probably holds that. And that's enough given the poor setup up into this part of earnings season maybe to get this continuation going a little bit higher the march 14th bounce to me was extraordinary we talked about it that's the day the broader market cratered it's the day that apple traded down to basically 150 and then pivoted on a dime and it's seemingly two weeks later we were back at 180 you've mentioned a number of times what you thought was going on but i'll say this quickly valuations matter and if it wasn't called apple if it was called anything else you're talking about eight percent revenue eps growth trading at a 27 multiple forward multiple You'd say the math doesn't work in this environment. And I agree. Well, that's what Apple is. And it's interesting, Dan, quickly, when Apple was a growth stock, it was trading like 11 and a half times forward earnings. It was trading like a value stock. Now that it is effectively a value stock, it's trading in a growth stock multiple. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. We'll see. That's my hot take on AAPL. 
All right, let's talk about Amazon. You're about to do it. I cut you off. I am sorry about that, guy. Look at this thing right here. And I know that, you know, talk about that March reversal in Apple. Look at the one from Amazon. We know that that was coupled with like the headline about a stock split. Mm -hmm. People got pretty geeked up about that. We see, you know, that move, dude, from like, what, 2,700 up to about 3,300. That was pretty epic for it to retrace that entire move. And now it's kind of what? It's just above the hard deck, would you say, Guy? Absolutely. And we talked about it on the show that night. I mean, they announced the stock split. Everybody got giddy. They announced a stock buyback, which, you know, sounded like a big number, but in the context of its market cap, it's really, it's like pissing in the ocean. Did I just Whoa. say that? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's It sounds like a big deal, but if you really think about it, it's pretty meaningless. But we said that night, look, the stock is now set up to bounce to 33.50, sort of the midpoint of this range we've been trading at seemingly for the last two years or so, and that's exactly what happened. But to your point, Dan, and the headwinds are significant in terms of input cost, in terms of margin compression, and just in terms of a slowdown. I mean, Apple, to me, really the big story has been operating margins, which have been pretty good over the last five or six quarters. There's a real good chance that operating margins disappoint if they disappoint they could take this thing out to the woodshed as well. But to your earlier point, 2750, that's your sort of line in the sand. No doubt about it. All right, we're going to do this a little early, and I know this is going to kind of set you off a Wait, little bit. Wait, you're not, but, you know, no, we, no, please yeah. tell me you're not doing butters early, are you? We are doing John oh. Butters. His earnings insight from FactSet, it comes out every Friday morning. You can sign up for it at FactSet and get it to your inbox. But John Butters, guy, he gives us a little preview of it for Market Call on Thursdays here. And I thought this is really interesting. I really want to get your take. He's saying despite some high-profile misses, okay, in the S&P 500, they're seeing a higher beat rate in Q1 for earnings in industrials and staples have had the highest percentage beat rates. This one I think is really interesting though. Due to the positive EPS surprises, the earning growth rate for Q1 has improved, Guy, to 7.2% mm -hmm. today from just below 5% on March 31st. That's not what I would have expected given all of these geopolitical and macro headwinds, rising rate environment. We're going to talk about the dollar in a second. Does this surprise you? The numbers surprise me, but I'll say this. You know, what's interesting, and this goes back to a theme we've talked about seemingly forever. Yes, you've had better than expected earnings without question. The problem is the horsemen that have driven this market. That's where you're getting your disappointments from, right? Yeah. I mean, look at those two names, JP Morgan and Google. So you're going to have a lot of ancillary companies beating. That's great for them. But if the big ones, the ones that are driving and supporting this market don't, then you have to wonder what it means for the broader market. So all this looks good on the surface, Dan. Yeah, yeah. You really need to, you need the horsemen. You need the generals, as Carter would say, to hold, their, to hold serve as well. And quite frankly, we're really not seeing it. You say what you want about Facebook. That wasn't a great quarter. And I'll say this about Google, which company that I've loved for a while. That was a miss. That was an EPS yeah. miss. That was a revenue miss. And oh, by the way, bingo for somebody. YouTube was uh, not good either. Yeah, I'll just say this. I mean, I, I think that, you know, whatever you didn't get out of some of these big names, it probably happens in Q2, meaning like we see an estimate creep lower in that. Guy, before we get to Liz, I just want to hit a couple names that kind of were on my radar today. Comcast had a disappointing result. I pulled up a multi-year chart here. The stock is down 6 7% or so, came back all the way to a level from late 2020, round tripping a huge move. I mean, like a huge move from 65 all the way to where we are right now, like 40 
43 and a half. Any quick thoughts there on Comcast considered to be a staple? We know there's a lot of different things going on in the media landscape here, but not a great quarter. Now, people have wanted to be in this on valuation. It was the right thing to do, but it's obviously like many other things. You know, it started to give it up when valuations were sort of on everybody's radar screen and everything got taken to the woodshed. And by the way, a lot of these content cable whatever you want to call comcast they haven't they've fallen on hard times and don't think for a second what's going on in netflix isn't hurting a name like this with that said dan this might be a tradable level on the long side just in terms of bouncing from that horizontal line that you drew so clearly for us yeah and real quickly on cat tracker they reported this morning i mean here's a company that's expected to do 17 percent revenue growth this year that's pretty remarkable trading about 17 times 14 times next year's earnings you know you've been all over this one you called it out of the gate in 2022 this was one of your top picks it had a huge move off of the lows in january now it's kind of back below that 200 day moving average it's in the midpoint of this recent range you see the level there what is that about 180 or so guy that looks like it was a double bottom it's kind of got got a hold there do you think it gets back there feels like it disappointing in a word although you're gonna have a pretty big volume day today you're right at the 200 day moving average still sort of flatlining and sloping slightly higher i still hold out hope because to your point it's a cheap stock especially when you give their revenue growth and eps growth but for whatever reason i think the market is saying you know what we're forward looking and things are going to slow down and it's not going to be as rosy for as you mentioned cat tractor i love that i used to say that back in the day as well what's your third c my third it's Chevron. Be three C's. Yeah, Chevron. I knew. I knew they, re- they report tomorrow morning again. You know, the earnings have been all over the place over the last few years. We know why. Huge comeback here. Obviously, very cheap stock trading about 11 times this year, 12 times next. Guy, look at the chart here. Here's a one and a half year chart. You see that uptrend from last fall's lows. It's what, 20 some percent above its 200 day moving average, about 10% above that uptrend. Any disappointments there? Are we back on that uptrend? They should kill it. I mean, if you give them what's going on in products, natural, look, heating oil, gasoline products, all the downstream stuff should all work for Chevron. So they should have a remarkable quarter, which should get us back to that 170 level. But as you've said a number of times, I mean, unless you really knock the cover off the ball, just good is not good enough in this environment, Dan. All right, let's do it. It's EY from SoFi. Oh, is that what you wait, call her? No guy? way. Yeah, I call uh-huh. her EY from SoFi. I'm the one that I think I call her that. And I think her father might call. That's about it. Or maybe one of her nine girlfriends that are going out to Napa for a 40th birthday party. What's up, EY from SoFi? Did you like that? I drum rolled myself in. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do that every time. I think I'm going to make it my new thing. I think that's fantastic. Hi. You heard I'm what excited. Dan and I were opining about. I did. Things look a little bit better today than last. I know last time, last week, you thought we were drinking hemlock or something lock, and you were like, yeah, oh, like rat oh my poison, God. maybe. Rat poison. Take yeah. things feel a little bit better. Thoughts? I mean, they do feel better. I did actually look at the one week performance in the SP before I came in here, still negative. So technically, you guys were right in the last few trading days, but today you're wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to hang on to that for a while. But I mean, look, we're in the middle of earnings season. I said this last night on CNBC. I'll say it again. I think everybody wants to believe that earnings are going to pull us out of this and that earnings are strong. And they are strong and they're surprisingly strong, as you guys have already pointed out. But earnings are not what ails us. That wasn't the problem coming in. That's not what caused this correction. So earnings are not necessarily what's going to pull us out of it. Now, in the second half of the year, maybe. But I think the best that earnings can do right now is create a floor on the market drawdowns. 
Man, yeah, you before know, we guy, hold on, guy, Dan, before you, know, you jump would, in, yeah, oh, yeah, hold yeah. on. I just have to ask EY. You said you mentioned it on CNBC. I know it wasn't CNBC's Fast Money. For whatever reason, you don't come Correct. on that show. Was it on like the CNBC Fast Money halftime report or the CNBC Fast Money overtime report? Or? It, it was when it was when the game was over. So uh, okay, it was overtime. Thank yeah, you, Dan. Please, sorry about that. Yeah, but Dan. guy, you know, she. I was watching the OT, and she was on with TRB, Josh Brown, who we That's, are also that is a correct. huge fan of. And you gave a little bit, you riffed a little bit, you know, like you had a little bit more to say about what you just said there about it's not earnings they're going to save the day right now. And Josh agreed with everything that you said. I thought that was really interesting. So, guy, the investment committee, they were on, you know, they were on board. They were on the same thing here. But let's talk about, let's talk about this dollar that's raging. Because if we talk about all these other issues that are really have the potential to hurt U.S. multinationals, we spend a lot of time talking about Apple. When you think about how much demand that they get from overseas, where they're not, there may be issues with supply chains, their ability to get components, their ability to kind of make their devices, maybe a PC slowdown. And then you throw in the surging dollar here. What does the dollar say to you, Liz, when you see this, you see this multi-year chart going back to the start of 2016. Are we about done? here on this move in the Dixie? I don't know. I don't know if we're done. But look, I think I think all of these spikes that you have on this chart, so if I'm looking at three different spikes, they were caused by different things, especially yeah. the most recent one. You look at the spike in 2020, the dollar moves on different factors, right? That spike in 2020 was out of fear. And I usually like to use the dollar as a fear index versus the VIX in those times. So that spike was on fear. This one is not on fear. This one is the fact that the U.S. economy is still roaring and that our stock market is still the best one around the globe. So people are investing in it. You need dollars to buy commodities. You need dollars to buy U.S. stocks. You need dollars to just be invested in the U.S. So I think that's what a lot of this is. And there tends to be a correlation as the dollar goes up, the stock market goes up. Earnings obviously are strong. I think multinational corporations have not suffered as much as we thought they would due to all the geopolitical risk that's out there. But the other interesting piece is that if you look at what happened with GDP today, obviously there was a negative print, but most of the drag was due to trade, importing more than we're exporting. When the dollar rises, our exports are more expensive to the rest of the world. So that kind of drag is probably going to persist, not at this level, but that drag is going to persist as long as the dollar is strong. All right. So you previewed that comment on Twitter this morning. We thought that was a really interesting point that you made here. So you said, remember, a recession means two consecutive quarters of contraction. And again, you know, this is the other thing is like, I think this GDP print kind of caught some people off guard because everyone was expecting or not everyone, but a lot of market participants or pundits were expecting to see the data in Europe to be really weak and cause that recession prior to ours. But now you got to think this is on the radar here at a time where the Fed is about to raise interest rates 50 basis points next week for the first time since May of 2000. And you know what happened after they did that? The market, the economy, and everything was rip-roaring. Everyone felt great about it. They were trying to tamp down asset bubbles. And what did they do? They hiked right into a recession here. And so let me tell you something. If all of these headwinds that we have right now, we're going to see to earn, if we were to see an earnings slowdown, we might find ourselves in a recession. And the market has not priced that in yet. You can't tell me that the S&P down what it is right now has priced in a recession because if you look at the average move that we've seen peak to trough in the stock market for our past few recessions, it's not there yet. Talk to me. 
Yeah, no, you're right about that. The, the market is not pricing in a recession. It's priced in some hikes. It's priced in financial tightening. It has not priced in a recession. But I think the market is right to not price in a recession at this point. So if you look at what happened in Q1, as I mentioned, it was mostly trade. We would need that little blue bar to contract meaningfully for it to actually be a persistent recession. Also, at this point, you've got a labor market tighter than ever. We're not going to go into a recession with a tight labor market like that. And if you look at the expectations, not that expectations are ever really correct, but the expectations for GDP for the rest of the year, the next three quarters are higher than what the expectations were for the first quarter. So it should get stronger, especially in the second quarter, and then the third quarter and fourth quarter still above 2% Q over Q growth. So there's a little bit more of a buffer there to prevent us from going into a recession. I just now, like the way you said dreg, by the way. I mean, oh, you have a, I mean, how do you pronounce the word R-A-G-E-Y? Reg. Okay, I, I'll stop right there because I-, I, mean, I You know, the A's and the O's, I can't say it any other way. Or if I apologize for something, I now I say I apologize because otherwise it comes out I'm sorry and everybody just thinks that's the funniest thing I've ever said in my life. So it's never going to go away. Please um, continue your thought. I interrupted. Yeah. So I don't think this is a recession. And it's funny, I came into the office today and the first thing somebody said to me, I was getting a water out of the fridge. First thing somebody said to me in the kitchen was, how does it feel to be in a recession? <laughs> I got really fired up and I said that we're not in one right now. First of all, it doesn't count until it's two consecutive quarters. I don't think we're going to have a negative print in the second quarter. So just relax. The stock market today obviously doesn't think we're going into a recession. So I think that this is a one-off, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to get negative prints in 2023. In fact, I think it's pretty likely that we get negative prints in 2023. Maybe there's some thought. I mean, maybe this rally is predicated on people squaring up ahead of these earnings, or maybe they think this terrible GDP print somehow takes the Fed off out of the equation. I don't know. But what I do know is I learned this expression, hodling or something from Brian Kelly, and you seem to have embraced it as well. Because a lot of your note now is predicated on exactly that. Please help yeah. me. All right. So I, I I don't know if it's hodling necessarily, but the last line does reference diamond hands, which is the first time I've ever used that oh. phrase. And I still did it like a klutz. But anyway, this is something that I get really fired up about. We as commentators on the market constantly say things like, but this is for the long term. If you hold it for the long term, it's going to be fine. This is a long-term play. And a lot of times it sounds like a cop-out, right? It sounds like a way to just excuse ourselves for being wrong in the short term. And I think everybody's definition of long-term is different. So if you learn it in a textbook, you learn that if you're talking about a long-term average, it's not really a long-term average until it's at least 10 years, preferably 15 years. The reality of it is, especially in today's market, investors don't have that kind of stomach. Nobody's going to sit around and wait to be right for 10 years, right? People aren't usually going to sit around for more than six months to wait to be right. So I'm going to define long-term here as five years at most. And what we did was we took literally daily data in the S&P back to 1950. The reason we did it daily was because then it even accounts for if you got nervous on a Tuesday and sold out and bought back in on a Thursday, right? So if that happens, which I think a lot of investors do, you take that daily data and look over five-year periods, of which there are like 18,000, only 7% of the time do you end up with a negative return. So thinking about when we talk about long-term, right? If you're buying things when the market is down, like it is right now, technically, 
you have to think about it from at least, I would say at least a two-year perspective, preferably a five-year perspective. And don't get so focused on what's happening today. Because if you focus on what's happening today, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to be wrong. The market is running on emotions on a daily basis, but it's running on fundamentals on a long-term basis. So all the time when we talk about valuations and the Case-Shiller PE predicting forward returns, it doesn't predict forward returns unless we're looking at it over a five to 10-year period. So you have to really think of it in that way. And I wanted to just show it graphically here, which it worked exactly the way I wanted it to. And also, interestingly, the most common outcome is to have a 10 to 15% return. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say that, that that's great stuff. And, and I think the time horizon, putting that in some perspective makes a lot of sense because to your point, Liz, you know, like look at us talking about trying to parse out what the news is today and why things are moving the way they are. And, you know, we think of it mm -hmm. sometimes as a bit of sport, right? Like we're trying to like, this is yeah. what's really interesting to us here. But if you're a most average investors, it makes sense to kind of zoom out a little bit, right? And the good news yeah. is about this period right now with the S&P down 10% on the year, given everything that we know that's going on in the economy and that's going on in markets, that's going on geopolitically is like, it's not great, right? Like, so it's not great, but there's a lot of good value out there depending upon your time horizon. Picking a bottom in an individual name or a sector or the broad market is a really hard thing to do. But we like having these sorts of shows because we enjoy doing it. And for us, it's kind of fun. But I do think that expanding your time horizon and dollar cost averaging and all the things that you talk about, I think make a whole heck of a lot of sense. That being said, Hey, do you mind if we look at the day by day on the S&P 500 <laughs> really quickly here? Wait, I want to make because, one, one yeah, quick, one quick yeah. point is that all those periods never let people take money out of the market. So every single recession that happened over that period yeah. is in there. Every single big drawdown is in there. So if you were an investor, you experienced those drawdowns and still 93% of the time came out on top. Okay, that's it. Yeah, I mean, listen, and one of the reasons we do it, listen, we have all sorts of viewers and listeners to our content who like the micro and they put it into a broader framework. They're not doing things on a day-to-day -day basis or whatever, but it helps them think about if they wake up, you know, in three weeks and the S&P is down 20%, they may like, well, maybe now's the time to really kind of focus on that sector that I've been meaning to kind of get involved in. All right, Guy, talk to me about this S&P chart here, because again, we had this series of lower highs and lower lows into those March lows. We had that violent rally in the S&P 500. This goes all the way back to the start of 2020 here. But man, you know, we could bounce a little bit, 5%, 6% or something like that. But we're not out of the woods. And I'm just curious, you think we continue to kind of make a series of lower highs and we're going to break that key one-year support level that's, uh, what is that, like 4,100-ish yeah. or so? 4,150. Look, yes, I do. I'll stand by that. Obviously, we're going to know a lot more in about five or six hours or less than that, clearly, when Amazon and Apple report. I mean, the Facebook, to me, we talked about it, is a short covering bounce, oversold condition bounce. But yes, to your point, I do think we take this out. I think we absolutely see 4,000. And if things were to go pear-shaped for whatever reason, 37.50s in the cards. With all that said, I'm in the EY camp. You have to have a little longer-term perspective. And I think the back half of this year, which we're closing in on, by the way, quickly, we're going to go gangbusters. I think this fall is going to be great. But I think the first leg is lower. Quickly, EY said running on emotion. Reminds me of Running on Faith by Eric Clapton. I happen to think one of the top five guitarists of all time. But, of course, this is my want to do, Dan. I digress. Quickly, what does I got five mean? Because 
it's got to be some dopey song lyric that I have no idea what it is. It's a song lyric. And I was actually going to ask you before the show if you even knew it. I want you to listen to it afterwards and tell me what you think. I think it's right up your alley, guy. <laughs> unless it's <laughs> unless it's one of eight bands, there's no shot that I'm listening to it. But Dan, please. Yeah, no. And then I just wanted to kind of zoom in a little bit on the NDX, the NASDAQ 100 again. So let's just say, Guy, you know, in five hours, let's say Amazon puts up a good quarter, Apple puts up a good quarter. It doesn't mean that we're out of the woods by any means. And if you look and see at this one year chart of the NASDAQ 100 here, we're going to have what? Nearly 10% of that index report earnings tonight. They could cancel each other out. They could go the same way up or down. Who knows? If they were both to go lower, this thing's blowing through that 13,000 here, man. I mean, like that's just a foregone conclusion. And then at some point, it will take Liz's time quotient to kind of get back towards some sort of bottoming process where we can say, okay, how do we build gangbusters in the second half of the year, guy? I agree. Listen, I don't know. I got five. I know I got stripes by Johnny Cash. By the way, I don't know how Joaquin Phoenix. I got five on it. I got five on it. Yeah. On what? You don't um, got five well, draft picks. Listen, I know. you know, we'll talk about this, obviously, not next week because you will be in parts unknown, but we'll have you back, obviously, when you do return. I'm on, on mean, Wednesday next week. I'm doing oh, Wednesday instead of Thursday. Oh, that is so <laughs> effing good. That's fantastic. And we'll talk oh, Packer football, talk Brewer fo- baseball. Brewer we'll football. The, the Bucks are probably down two games to zip to the South. So much to talk uh, about, man, Nathan. But that's, you know, that's me. Hopefully somebody salt over go everything out there. in my life. I'm a salty MFer today, that's for sure. But that's it. That's today's market call, Dan. <laughs> I want to thank our sponsors, FactSet, SoFi, and of course, Open Exchange. And please listen up, peeps. For more great content from the aforementioned Liz Young, follow her on Twitter at Liz Young Strat. Watch her on the OT. Watch her in the investment committee. Bloomberg, wherever the hell she is, watch Squawk her. Box. Exactly. And sign up for SoFi's daily Squawk. newsletter at SoFi.com slash daily to read our articles. They drop every Thursday. They're great. We'll be back Monday. There's going to be a lot to t- a lot to talk about. Dan, you want to say goodbye quickly? Yeah. Goodbye, Liz. I'll see you Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Hasta luego. Thanks, guys. Uh- 